Dr. Aaron Cariotti joins me to discuss how the government used the COVID pandemic to advance a biomedical security state that will strangle our freedoms. I'm Sarah Carter. On the latest Sarah Carter Show, we'll discuss what to expect next in this brave new world. Follow the Sarah Carter Show wherever you get your podcasts. It's hard to understand why anyone would keep voting for record inflation and skyrocketing crime. Likewise, why would anyone keep funding the left by sticking with big mobile carriers? Patriot Mobile is America's only Christian conservative wireless provider, and they want to make it easy for you to try their service. Give them 60 days to earn your trust. And when you try Patriot Mobile for two months, you get your third month free, plus free activation. Patriot Mobile offers nationwide coverage on the best 4G and 5G networks, and they use the same towers as all three of the major carriers so you get the same great service while supporting a company that's fighting to preserve our god-given rights and freedoms visit patriotmobile.com dana or call their 100 u.s based customer service team at 972 patriot if you're fed up with woke companies that don't care about your values support a company that does make the switch today and get a free month of service plus free activation patriotmobile.com dana that's patriotmobile.com slash Dana or call 972 Patriot. God love you. Nine and a half million turkeys. I tell you what, that's like some of the countries I've been to. I mean, anyway. You want to talk? He's what a weird he says this is the turkey pardon just literally moments ago. And what I think chocolate and chip are there now. I don't care. When do we get our pardon? Where's the pardon for the American people? That's what I want to know. Welcome to the program. Happy Monday. It is Thanksgiving week, and of course, you know, we're going to get started, get you rolling in with all the latest. I have a bunch of energy headlines today, too, um, that aren't entirely great, but we'll, uh, we'll walk through all of that. We'll walk through all of it together. So welcome. Happy Monday. Dana Lash here, your lovable curmudgeon. He thinks people are turkeys? Half the countries? bunch of turkeys you know just no let's just go ahead and insult everybody right before thanksgiving that's okay uh so he's i i was when i was watching this uh thing here with him the uh turkey pardoning thing i i came across another uh more speculation as to how they're still kind of keeping him in the basement keeping him away from you know he did a couple of like smaller fundraisers and things of that nature and did, you know, a couple of small fundraisers, couple, you know, things like that. But then this is like one of his bigger, like national events. And it's because he just, he, it just is bad. Every time he, it just, he just kind of can't stay on track. He kind of stumbles everywhere. I also think he's tired from, he had like what he traveled over oh, G20 and then he had a uh, $300,000 minimum. Isn't that what they were saying? It was like $300,000 wedding for his granddaughter. wedding. Jeez. Minimum. Minimum. Which is, you know, a little bit like maybe like half the or quarter of a cost of a Hunter Biden painting. Maybe. Yeah. So this is what some of the stuff that's circulating today. So the one of the big stories that I think it's not getting there's news about the laptop today that's coming out. And I told you that stuff. I think that's a lot of Democrat insider stuff. Democrats. You know, there's the faction that are very anti-Joe Biden, and they don't think that he can. They're terrified of what the GOP is going to do. One of the reasons that Democrats themselves aren't certain 
whether or not they're going to stick with Biden going into 2024 and the reason why nobody wants to give go on record. They go, well, it's his right to run, but that's kind of where they all go. That's because they don't know what Republicans are going to do. They have no idea if it's going to be a Trump or a DeSantis or who knows, maybe there's going to be a dark horse that comes up. Nobody knows. So they're trying to hedge their bets and and protect themselves by not fully committing. But at the same time, I think that there's a faction of Democrats that are using that as an opportunity to try to edge Joe out further by undermining faith that their own base has in him, which is completely I get it. So they're the people that are behind the pushing of these stories like the CBS. They took a 24 hour break from Twitter. Did you guys see? No, you didn't because you don't care. You don't care about CBS. You don't care that CBS literally went on Twitter. It was like that scene from Jurassic Park. Uh, where the guy Norm from Jerry Seinfeld was there and he meets up with this, you know, the the guy that he's doing the deal with and giving the dino DNA to and he meets up with this guy and he's like, see, nobody cares, nobody cares because the guy's trying to be all secretive and everything. This is kind of how we all feel when CBS went on Twitter and said, oh, we're going to take a break, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So then they come back and they say, well, we're back, you know, after we had our break, we're back now. And then they immediately decided to run with a and break and act like it was a breaking exclusive. They took a 24 hour Twitter break to come back and report the two year old Hunter Biden laptop story. That Daily Caller first broke back in 2020. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. I see you. Yeah. Um, so that's they. So they're they're focusing on this. But I also think this is a huge story. Because just like the college scholarship thing was a bait and switch, this also, I think, is a big bait and switch. The biggest rail union is rejecting a contract, raising the possibility of a nationwide strike during the holidays. They said the Smart Transportation District voted down a tentative contract. And it was uh, brokered. They said, well, remember, Joe Biden got involved and acted as though he saved it right before midterms, which was all theater all on purpose. They acted like they solved this whole thing right before midterms. And I always thought it was weird that they never actually got anything binding. I thought that's kind of interesting. They didn't, it's nothing's actually binding. It's just, you know, it says like they came to some kind of agreement. And then now here shortly after midterm election, now it comes out, oh no, it doesn't look like we got that at all. It's, uh, it looks like they're going to go ahead. They said their contract was nixed by a slim margin. Just 50.8% of workers voted against it. It's the second largest rail union. It's made up of engineers. And they voted and they split the top rail unions is, is, is essentially what happened. You have two of them that represent about half of the industry's workers. And so the, the White House apparently did not save this. So there still technically could be a nationwide strike here at the end of November, right as we go into the holiday season. It could actually happen. So there's, you know, the latest. The tentative contract included a 24% compounded wage increase, 5,000 lump sum payment, et cetera, et cetera. But the estimation of loss, according to the Association of American Railroads, could be anywhere about $2 billion a day in lost economic output. Now, it also affects everything from, uh, I mean, everything, everything, retail, warehousing, uh, agriculture, uh, manufacturing, everything. And freight railroads transport about 40% of the country's long-haul freight. So that's going to, just imagine, if you think you're waiting a while now for packages, just imagine what that's going to be like. But see, we were told that this was all solved going into midterms. That was another thing. It's another bait and switch. They just tried to do the bare minimum to make it look like they had solved this issue. But in fact, they never actually did. They didn't solve the issue at all. They just kicked it past midterm election. 
That's all they, that was the whole, that was the only goal. So this, uh, interesting because I, I mean, I don't know if there was, by the way, where is, uh, Poopy to judge in all of this. I mean, he's legit. He's literally the transport. I can't believe I'm just not thinking about this. He's the transportation secretary. Where the hell is he in this? It's weird because so I had a bunch of notes about, you know, their previous negotiations and all this stuff. Let me pull this up just to make sure that I'm not crazy. I um, I'm pulling at my little bookmarking system. I didn't come across anything where I'm actually going to run his name. I didn't I didn't come across uh, anything with him. And any of this, what the hell does he do? Is he just like the figurehead? He's just like where he's our pretend transportation secretary. You know, like when you're a little kid and you help mom clean, you help. It's the same thing. So where? No, he's not coming up in association with this at all. He's the transportation secretary. Why would he not be involved in this? I mean, if it's if you're talking about, you know, a potential rail strike, that seems like it's a big deal, right? He's not do anybody who are in any of these positions that they've been appointed to are do any of them do anything because I don't know that I remember any president throwing these positions to people who challenged him before it's like he they these were just assurances that's all they were just to get them out of the you know they deal with Buttigieg in that spot was brokered man you know it was so he's no so do you think we're gonna have a strike before Christmas Um, yeah actually it's quite possible it's quite like if you had possible. to give a percentage, I'm just wondering how much I should hoard now, right? As opposed to, but I'm noticing a pattern too because you know Joe, uh, Joe Biden during his campaign was just in the basement. Mm-hmm. Um, Katie Hobbs in Arizona during her campaign for governor in the basement. And she wasn't uh, doing we, her job. Pete Buttigieg nowhere to be found, seemingly in the basement. Is this a Dem strategy that they seem that they think is working? Ah. It does seem that way, does it not? It's the basement strategy. There's a piece on the hill. At the hill about this because it noted exactly what you just said that Hobbs embraces the same strategy that Biden did. You entirely avoid the media, you avoid any interviewer, any reporter, anybody who may ask you a tough question, and you just kind of stay away from everything. Like, remember, Hobbs didn't even want to debate, uh, didn't even want to debate at all. It, I mean, Fetterman really didn't either. Carrie Lake was trying to call Hobbs out, but, you know, it wasn't going to happen. She didn't want to debate. This is fascinating to me. They all did that. Yeah, Poot's not there. Or, I mean, nobody there. And it's interesting because there was a tweet. Let me pull this up. It was by Jonathan Swan. And he's over with Axios. And he had tweeted, I say this is somebody who's tried to repeatedly get a one-on-one interview with Joe Biden. He won't do it. There's no convening power on planet Earth that could compel him to do an interview that his advisors deem to be unsafe. Now, it is true, and he acknowledges this. It is true of almost any politician that that's, you know, that's kind of you know, par for the course. But this is a special, this is a special one. Because he's a, he avoids all of them. And he even avoids what normally uh, I think some Democrats would say just like moderately difficult Democrat, you know, friendly press interviews, because you'll see, you know, Barack Obama would do it and, and, and other Democrats would do it. Even Democrats that might have been a little bit more moderate than they were, even a little bit more left than they were. They would they would go and and have these they would they would still do these interviews. And that was like as tough as it would get. Biden doesn't even do those. So that is their basement strategy. But you can't run a country that way. But they're sure as hell trying. He's doing an entire basement, essentially, term 
He did what? I think the number of interviews that they said that he did so far this year, you could count them on one hand. And I'm not talking about like a press avail. I'm talking about you're sitting down with someone and you do a Q&A. They could count them on one hand. So it meant, you know, fewer gaffes, all of this other stuff. That's, you know, that's it. They didn't want to make him too visible. It's like they went overboard trying to be not like Trump. They went overboard with that. And so every all of them have been doing this. All of them. And Mayor Poot, too. I haven't seen him do a tough interview. I haven't seen him do a tough interview with anyone. And I think particularly with all of the issues that we've been having with supply chains, uh, with the EV fight, all of this, that seems like that would be... That's that's his territory. He needs to be front and center, but they don't trust. He's not front and center because he's not the guy. He's just a figurehead. Someone else is actually running Department of Transportation, just like somebody else is really ultimately, I think, making decisions in the White House. Just the way I it's just the way got to look at it. Now, a few other things this uh, and we're going to get into all of that. I got a ton of energy stuff over the weekend. Uh Really, uh, Colorado Springs, awful story coming out of Colorado Springs. Colorado has very, very strict laws on firearms, by the way. They had, uh, there was five people who were killed at Saturday at Club Q in Colorado Springs. And it looked pretty premeditated when you look at the individual and what they were trying to bust into uh, this, this club in Colorado Springs. 25 people injured in the attack. And the sole suspect, you know, we don't say names, he's in custody and he was subdued by patrons. Here's the question that I have, and this absolutely shocks me. This suspect has apparently been on law enforcement radar for at least a year. He had been charged with multiple felonies. Now, his records have been sealed, so we don't know what became of that or why. He had, uh, he had a bomb threat. He was threatening his mother. He had two counts of felony menacing, three counts of first-degree kidnapping, but the charges were later dropped and the records were sealed and no one, can know, no one knows anything. Don't you think that that's, question, that's just very suspicious to me? Very suspicious. The question is, how was this murderer not already a prohibited possessor? Colorado has what they call red flag laws, where it's the the diminishment of due process for the purpose of speed. And then you check to see whether or not you're right after. Where, again, another state with red flag laws that failed. And you didn't even need red flag laws for this. How do you have a guy who had made a bomb threat and had all these charges and his records are sealed? Nobody can figure anything out. What in the world? Why was he out? Black Rifle Coffee Company is helping you knock out your holiday shopping. If you have a coffee lover on your shopping list, Black Rifle has the best coffee brewing gear, thermoses, mugs, and apparel, all designed for folks who love America. Stuff your stockings with all of the highest grade American roasted coffee and become a holiday hero by joining the Black Rifle Coffee Club. Set your coffee delivery schedule to your exact preferences and it arrives at your door with no shipping fees. It's the gift that just keeps on giving. Looking for a patriotic gear and a for your friends and family be sure to check out all of black rifles new clothing designs veteran founded and run black rifle coffee company takes pride in serving
serving coffee and culture to people who love America. And each purchase you make helps support veteran and first responder causes. Head over to BlackRifleCoffee.com slash Dana to find my favorites and get all of the best merch, coffee, and apparel in time for the holidays. That's BlackRifleCoffee.com slash Dana. BlackRifleCoffee.com slash Dana. And now, all of the news you would probably miss. It's time for Dana's Quick Five, brought to you by Caltech. All right, so the uh, in Ecuador, well, the Ecuadorian fans actually are chanting, we want beer d- in, during a match in Qatar, because World Cup, we've had all kinds of headlines about World Cup in Qatar, and there's no beer except in special places, and you can only get non-alcoholic beer uh, at, the, at the stadium. And so apparently that's one of the new chants now is uh, how they want beer. And it's not just Ecuador. It's apparently almost every other nation's fans that are there at World Cup, which is actually kind of unifying when you think about it. All these people in all these different languages chanting, we want beer. I mean, it really is unifying. Uh, This, I cannot imagine anything more of a symbol of today's times than this headline. So the the panda tauntaun, is that the panda's name? Was gifted to Taiwan by China and is eased through its final moments by carers before it succumbed to an illness. It was one of two gifted from China in 2008 as a symbol of goodwill, and now it's dead. It's dead because China's goodwill towards Taiwan is dead, too. There you go. That's just straightforward enough. There you go. That's like Shep's missile, right? Uh, also... So there's uh, there were some questions about a pack. It's a Ron DeSantis pack that started running ads in Iowa. Well, his legal counsel, Benjamin Gibson, who is the legal counsel to DeSantis, said that the pack was running these videos without the authorization or permission of the DeSantis organization. So any of those ads that you're seeing were not he wasn't even asked about them, told about them, and he did not approve them. Uh, and apparently they are none too happy. Bob Iger is coming back because the worst CEO in the history of CEOs, Bob Chapek, has exited. So they brought back the other Bob, Bob Iger. Uh, we got a lot more on the way. Don't go anywhere. Dr. Aaron Cariotti joins me to discuss how government is using the COVID pandemic to advance a biomedical security state that will strangle our freedoms. I'm Sarah Carter. On the latest Sarah Carter Show, we'll discuss how frighteningly quickly the public gave up liberty for a false sense of safety and what threats to freedom will come as a result of that. Follow the Sarah Carter Show at Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen to The Dana Show live on the Odyssey app, weekdays, noon to 3 p.m. Eastern Time. So the investigation's ongoing, and I think it's fair to say, based on the facts, it's very hard to conceive of a situation where the motive wasn't generated by hate. This was a well-known nightclub that individuals, regardless of their sexual orientation or gender identity, the LGBTQ community knew was a safe place. So that's Colorado's attorney general. Welcome back to the program. Dana Lash here with you. And he's discussing that uh, the five fatalities Saturday uh, in Colorado Springs at Club, at Club Q. What gets me, though, what, I, what kind of stand on, stands out about his statement, his remark there, is that I would think that any crime involving murder is a crime of hate. I just I don't think it's a more it's a more special type of hate. It is a hate, period. I mean, that's committing murder is an act of hatred. 
Nobody knows what the motive is. And the weird thing about it, even more so, is that they, I mean, the records were sealed. Uh, for This guy apparently was, he had a lot of problems a year ago. And records were sealed. He'd got, it was a bomb threat that he had called in apparently against his, his mother. And there was, there were a couple of other felony charges associated with that. And this was the, this is a state that has absolutely every law that you can think of. And it, even though we don't know anything about any motive or anything yet, that did not stop anyone on the left from doing what they predictably do after these tragedies occur. Nancy Pelosi immediately started in. She apparently she told she she apparently decided to tear into MAGA Republicans. She said that uh, blaming the dangerous rhetoric from cable news desks or openly bullying school children from the halls of power. MAGA Republicans are cruelly undermining the safety and well-being of our transgender community. That was her quote. She was mar- she was marking transgender day remembrance and then that's when she decided and then she decided to pull those two things together which i don't you, this whole o- openly bull- bullying school kids you're you're talking about parents who did not want to, their children their female daughters their female kids to change in a locker room or etc with with male students those are parental and student concerns that she is misrepresenting you're going to have a discussion of cruel. But this individual who he apparently was subdued by a couple of different patrons. I just don't know why there's not. I mean, again, there's not a lot of uh, information about why this guy's record was sealed. What happened when he was charged with after he made a bomb threat? I mean, people were trying to figure out, you know, what? How, why was this guy? He was already on. It was a year ago. Literally a year ago, he made a bomb threat and he got charged with all kinds of stuff. And he apparently had a bunch of other stuff on him. His records are sealed. Why? I, everyone's going to talk. You have the, the president of the United States who immediately jumped in talking about gun bans. But whoa, 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 whoa. Why was this guy even out on the street if he had this history? Can we start there? Why was this guy on the street? You're, you're talking about banning something that is least responsible for all homicides, even less so than hands, feet, and fists. But you know what we have an epidemic of? We have an epidemic of judicial rot. We have an epidemic of restorative justice. We have an epidemic of letting criminals, violent people who hurt people, back out on the streets. Is this another example of it? And you're trying to put a Band-Aid on it with a gun ban? That's a perfectly legitimate question. And all, I mean, I saw this all yesterday. He put out a statement calling for another gun ban, quote unquote, assault rifles, all this other stuff. Just, I'll have you, I'll remind you that it was a 2004 Department of Justice study, in addition to a RAND study, in addition to even PolitiFact, can't even believe I'm citing that, but there it is, who all came out and said universally that yes, the... Assault weapons ban had absolute, it was completely ineffective. 
So talking about reinstating a completely ineffective piece of legislation when maybe perhaps the solution to that tragedy would have been, why was this guy out in the street? Maybe remedy that. Can't talk about that. You can't ask questions about his record. If you do, then you're not serious about saving lives. That's what they always say. You had a state that had red flag laws. They have very strict gun laws. So why didn't any of those work? Why was this guy out on the street after he was charged with multiple violent felonies? And apparently they ended up being dismissed. How? I mean, the stuff that he was charged with seemed pretty serious. That's kind of wild that you would have a dismissal of such a serious charge. You're making a bomb threat. He got, I mean, he had a whole bunch of other stuff that was on his, why was that, why was it, why were they dismissed? They were dismissed and then he's released and then a year later this. I mean, that's, that's the problem. So he immediately starts in on, immediately started in on, uh, not just him, but Nancy Pelosi, everyone else. I don't know if they, I just think that's, it'd be even, it'd be even worse for him to push that now. They're already on their way out, but you don't even know what happened and he's, he's pushing it. They all immediately too, you had everyone from the press, everyone was blaming, oh, so this, uh, some people were blaming Ron DeSantis. They were blaming all of the people who objected to the drag brunches. First off, that was an actual nightclub that kids don't go to. That was a very big difference. Nobody's telling people what to do in their private time. Nobody's telling people to do, that that was a 21 and up club. So stop. Don't even compare. Good grief. Even the police said that the motive isn't clear. But everyone's like, no, no, no. It's all about MAGA Republicans. All about that. And they cited the uh, the discussions and the objections to the drag brunches and all of that as though that was why would a drag brunch have anything to do with a an, a gay nightclub what is those two things are entirely unrelated i mean this and here's here's something else too though think about this let's just go with let's go with all of the the speculation from the left let's say that this guy did target it because it was a gay nightclub why are, you allow, why are you disallowing people in targeted demographics? Why are you preventing them from defending themselves? There's a group out there called Operation Blazing Sword, and that's exactly what they do. It is, it's, it's, it's similar to Pink Pistols. It's a, a, a group that specifically raises awareness and educates uh, gay and lesbians about firearm ownership. I mean, just but ask that question. If there, is, if there are people that are actually targeting Gay nightclubs, why would you not want people to be able to protect themselves or at the very least have armed security? You can't have it both ways. You, you can't make it easier for people to be victims and then blame other people when you make them victims because you refuse to allow them to protect themselves. In Colorado, they have every law that you could want. They got the magazine restrictions. They got all of it. They got the red flags. But yet no one is allowed to ask why this guy's record was sealed no one was allowed to ask if he was known to law enforcement for a year. No one is allowed to ask. He had multiple felonies. He was charged with multiple felonies. What happened? Apparently, his own family knew that he was violent. What happened? You can't ask that. You just got to be in the gun. 
But what if it not? You can't. You can't even ask. There, it, it doesn't matter that they're two entirely mutually exclusive things. You can't ask that. See, when people try to set parameters on the conversations of safety, I immediately assume that this conversation is not about safety. It's about control. That's what it's only ever about. I mean, this, this, uh, when he was, Biden also compared Colorado Springs to Pulse nightclubs in Orlando. The problem with the Pulse nightclub is that that was a terrorist attack. That's the problem of comparing it to Pulse nightclub. And we know it was a terrorist attack because the terrorist murderer literally was listing and stating that his reason for targeting Pulse nightclub was because of the United States' actions in the Middle East. I mean, this is all public record that was part of the investigation. So those are kind of two different things. But it still brings me to my question, why was this dude out? Why did no one do anything to intervene if he was so dangerous? So they've been put, they've been jumping on this, trying to push this narrative and try to, we got to get assault weapons uh, off the streets. No, what, you know what? You got to get off the streets. The violent criminals that you keep releasing. That's what you got to get off the streets. You have to get off the streets. People who commit violent actions, not even a year earlier and without any, any conditions, They're back there on the street because apparently, I mean, you know, the restorative justice that you champion so much does nothing to keep them in check. Those are the people we got to get off the streets. And those are the politicians who enable those laws that we got to get out of office. Sitting here targeting firearms. Now, a couple of other things, too, to hit Uh, with energy. This is not listen to this headline. This is going to go real well. So in Reuters. Reuters has a story about Brazil's state run Petrobras. Petrobras oil company in Rio de Janeiro, their state-run oil company. Now you have the Brazilian president-elect Luis Lula da Silva, who's a communist, and they're apparently over dramatically overhauling uh, that company. The official, it's the uh, Petroleo Brasilio SA. That's had the company's formal name. They're overhauling the whole thing. The company was pushing for privatization. It had been prepped since 2019 to become a privatized oil company, and it was going to be fully privatized if Bolsonaro had been reelected. And then apparently now that's in the can. Lula is, he's immediately, that's one of the first things that he did was throw that in the can, and they're overhauling it. It is a state-run, entirely just state-run company. I'm sure that's going to go over very well. Now, related to this, you've heard the president talk a lot about of these refineries and all of this other stuff. we got to get these uh, power plants going, the refineries. we got to make sure that they're, uh, they're not closing. This is uh, from Detroit News. The nuclear power plant, Holtec International, they were wanting to reopen. It's the Michigan's it's Michigan's Palisades nuclear power plant, but their application for funds to reopen was denied by the Department of Energy, and it was announced on Friday after the show. 
Holtec International had applied for funds through the Energy Department's Civil Nuclear Credit Program after the plant was officially shut down. It's a $6 billion program funded by the Bipartisan Infrastructure Law to keep existing reactors running around the country. And they have to demonstrate something about carbon emissions and other stupid stuff. But so they said, nope, we're we're no. They were trying to restart the shuttered nuclear plant. And now it's not going to happen. Now it's now that's that's been denied. But we can send billions, though, more than that to Ukraine without zero accountability whatsoever. Just, you know, if you wanted to know what the priorities were. Of all your favorite talk hosts, one of these is not like the others. The Dana Show. Yes, they're going to have the big turkey pardoning here in about 15 minutes, Sandra. Uh, And ahead of that, we can look at how much the rest of the turkeys, uh, except the two that are going to be spared, are costing. And there's just no way to avoid paying significantly more if you're buying the staples for Thanksgiving, a 16-pound turkey is going for $28.96. That is up 21% from last year. A 14-ounce bag of cubed stuffing mix is $3.88. That is up 69%. And two frozen pie crusts are going for $3.68. That is up 26%. According to the Farm Bureau, all those arrows are pointing up. But President Biden keeps insisting that things are oh, coming I love down. Peter Ducey. He's a national treasure. He was at that turkey parting. Stuffy mix, stuffing mix is up almost 70%. Stuffing mix. I, man, I'm telling you what, this is, it is amazing. You can't, you can't fool people about what's in, yeah, about what's in their wallet. But you saved, as Kane notes, a whole, what was it, 16? 16 cents. 16 cents. On 4th of July, right? Okay. Oh, that was just last year. Oh, oh my goodness. There you go. Just last year. Oh, good heavens. This, it's it's so depressing. It's depressing. I'm wondering, I'm actually wondering how much people are cutting back when it comes to how much they're spending per person Thanksgiving. You know, like I'm I'm like, I'm wondering, like what, how much are people cutting back? Just, I mean, are you going to have like less pie? You're going to have a smaller turkey. That's just, man, that's some tiny Tim stuff. This is the United States of America. That's not what people want to see. They don't want to see that. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm making a chocolate pie. I got a chocolate pie and a pumpkin pie. And you got your turkey and your stuffing. Make, have some cornbread and all that. I hope, oh man. Mm-mm. We have, uh, as it relates to all of the energy, one of the headlines we're going to be discussing here coming up is a story. Biden agrees to pay climate reparations. The U.S. is going to pay up to a billion dollars to compensate developing countries for global warning, warming, but China's not going to have to pay into it, even though they are literally the biggest offenders, still the biggest offenders, and the U.S., has done more to curb than anybody else. The creation of this fund was announced Saturday. It was negotiated at the United Nations, their summit in Egypt. It's known as a loss and damage fund. Previ- it's been blocked by other administrations. So our money is going to go to all these other places 
over a theory. Now you see how theories can be damaging and real. We got a lot more on the way. Second hour. We got Congressman Andy Biggs going to be joining us later too. Stick with us. Can you address whether the president was involved in any of his son uh, Hunter or his brother's uh, foreign business dealings? So look, I, you know, um, there's there's some a little bit of uh, interesting. Uh, you know, kind of on-brand uh, thinking here because, um, you know, congressional Republicans uh, ran uh, saying that they were going to fight inflation. Uh, they said they were going to make that a priority. They were very clear about that these past uh, several months. And instead, what they're doing is they're focusing, uh, you know, they're focusing, they're making their type priority. They get the majority and their type priority is actually not focusing on the American families, but focusing on the president's family. Hmm. I was going to say, what? Welcome back to the program. Top of our second hour this Monday. That was Corinne Jean-Pierre. Uh, just, I mean, was he involved in his son's foreign business dealings? I mean, she did not have an answer on that. Nope. Now, these questions and this story is more and more, there's more and more coming out about it. And I've said before, you might be going, well, why now? As we've discussed, I think it's because there are people who do not want him to run again. And so they're going to start. This was sort of foretold. They would start coming out with these pieces. But my favorite thing happened when CBS over the weekend said they were going to take a break from Twitter. And then after 24 hours of taking a break from Twitter, they come back and guys, audio soundbite 15, they broke a big story that had actually been broken by Daily Caller two years before. Audio soundbite 15. This is that CBS News piece. Listen. Good morning, Tony. These House Republican investigations are coming, and that could be a challenge for the White House as we head into 2023 and 2024. The laptop data we had analyzed showed no evidence it was faked or tampered with. I was suspended off Twitter for this. Along with, I don't know how many thousand people, New York Post, everybody got in trouble for sharing this story. Isn't that interesting? Hmm. Now, CBS says it's, well, it uh, was not faked and nor was it tampered with. It looks completely legitimate. Yeah, because it was completely legitimate. What are you talking about? It was legitimate the entire time. This, everybody knew this. And now they're reporting on it. Now they are. I still don't know to what level we're going to get any actual accurate. I mean, Catherine Herridge, I she did the she did the story of the on this, and I don't I, I like her, I don't dislike her, so I don't want to slight her. Um. However, I mean, this Daily Caller broke the story two years ago. I mean, that was one of the top. It was it was October of twenty twenty. It was one of the top headlines. New York Post, Daily Caller, and the New York Post was the one that started sharing all of the details left on it, and uh, they corroborated its authenticity back then. So two years later, you know how many independent forensic reviews have been done on this damn thing? They said that, oh, we got data from the laptop. It came directly from the source who said they provided it to the FBI under subpoena. Yeah, well, guess what? You had New York Post and Daily Caller that did that. Two years ago. That was not mentioned, by the way, in the story that CBS did, that this was already broken two years ago. 
Do they think that their viewers don't pay attention to anything else? Do they honestly believe that there are people out there who are unfamiliar with the story and are hearing it for the first time with their piece? And there's, they didn't reveal anything new. I mean, even you had, let me pull this up. The New York Times had said, well, yeah, the New York Post is, uh, is right that, and that the DOJ and FBI actually said that the laptop and data existed and they basically authenticated it. You had other outlets that were doing the same thing and that was, that was a while ago. So there was nothing new that was reported. They had their big, uh, they, I, I don't even actually know why they, why did they take a, I don't care. They said they were pausing our, their Twitter activity out of abundance of caution. Oh, right after they reinstated Trump. Was it indirect response to that? Yeah. That is the stupidest thing I've ever seen in my life. Are you kidding me? But they're not biased. You have the Iranian religious leader on Twitter yep. calling every, I mean, who is, you know, they're, they're killing people in Iran because if women don't have their hair covered properly, he's allowed on. Trump has never killed anybody. Joe Biden's droned kids to death. Yep. He's on Twitter. But Trump? Now, you can't sit here and tell me that that was anything fair. Anyway, the uh, media entity, CBS, said that they were going, they're going to, we're going to pause. We're going to have a break. We're going to take some time out of, did they they think that Trump being reinstated was somehow a direct threat to them? I'm just trying to wrap my head around this stupid hand-wringing virtue signaling. This is why I hate people. I just want to stay in my hidey hole. I'm a hobbit. I just want to stay in my hobbit hole. All right, so they came back and they broke this brand new story, guys. It's brand new. Says nobody. It's not, but okay. Hmm. The, speaking of the Twitter thing, by the way, I saw this tweet. Let me pull this up. I don't know what I think of Mark Cuban. Sometimes I think he's dumb. I mean, he does something smart, but sometimes he sounds dumb, like with this tweet. He said, the greatest challenge Twitter has is making its users feel safe. Safe that they won't be abused by users on the platform. Safe that tweets won't lead to action off the platform that hurt people. I think this is the element that Elon Musk is missing that current AI can't protect. Um, their words. I say this is someone that has had so many death threats lobbed, lobbed at her on that platform. Their words. Their words. He talks about how Twitter is a content aggregator and they're trying to convince t- contributors that their, tr- their tweets will be seen. So pay eight dollars. I can't stand it. I tell you, I can't stand the whole verification thing. Either verify everybody or nobody. I can't stand it. It's so annoying. He said that he was saying Twitter has no competition, etc. Uh, but these are words. They're words. You don't have to be safe from words. We have this thing where we feel like we, like people, that words are violent, that words can hurt. That's just so, so dumb. No, they don't. They're words. Get over it. Now, he did say he's not letting, uh, oh, gosh, what's his face? Uh, Alex Jones back on. Right. And it had to do with something because he lost his son. Elon Musk was tweeting that. And, I, I, I mean, it's, it's a private company, and I don't think things are going to be perfect ever. Because it, you know, people are fallible. That's just the way it is. But he did reinstate a lot of individuals that were questionably removed 
removed for no good reason. And he did reinstate Trump's account, which I thought I, you know, I never thought he, it should have been suspended in the first place. But I do think that there has to be one observable standard that makes sense, right? Are you, if you're going to have exceptions, then is that, I mean, it's not going to be totally different from, all you got to do is mute people or block them. I mean, what are, I don't understand. Do, does the left, did the left not have those, those features? Do they have a special kind of Twitter that they use where a fist comes out of the screen and hits them every time they read a tweet they don't like? Is that why they think words are violence? I'm just, I'm trying to wrap my mind around this. And now I'm going to stop because it's just too much energy and I don't care. Uh, also, German officials are warning people to have crates of food and supplies as winter arrives. What I remember, we're get, they're getting ready to roll into a, an energy disaster here. The head of Germany's Federal Office for Civil Protection and Disaster Relief has warned its people to prepare for short-term power outages, particularly in January and February, and stock up on rations in advance. They said we have to assume there will be blackouts and temporary and regional interruptions in the power supply. And he says, you know, the cause will not only be energy shortages, but targeted temporary shutdown of networks by operators, etc., I mean, this is and a lot of this is brought on directly because they decided to gamble and rely on Russia for energy. And now they're in this and and then shutter all their plants, stop producing, stop uh, creating coal plants. This is a lot of this is the green. A lot of this is the green tech or the green, the green new deal for Europe. A lot of it's the green movement. So they're warning people now. In the meantime, this story where, let me pull this up, where you have the United Nations, what is it, their loss fund? So you have the United States going to pay up to a billion dollars to compensate developing countries for the theory of global warming. China doesn't have to do anything. And some of the countries, why is John Kerry involved in a lot of this too, by the way? I really want to know why. He's, oh, he's the climate envoy? Jeebus. Gee, bus. Beijing is, they suspended talks in August in anger because of Pelosi's visit to Taiwan. They had been talking about this. And the cooperation, they're not going to pay into, into anything. I cannot, Xi Jinping looks so smug. Smug, old little man. He just smug. They're, they'll continue formal conversations, but they don't feel obligated to pay anything. You know, they're, also, they're always wrong. They're always the victim. So, for instance, they said flooding in Pakistan, that displaced millions. That cost $30 billion, according to the World Bank. Uh, the EU argued that China and other nations like Saudi Arabia have grown wealthier, and so they should be amongst the financial contributors. And, but that was, that was, that was rejected. Why do we got to pay? Wait, your own infrastructure is your issue, Right. You're, if you have a corrupt government that cannot provide infrastructure for your country, how in the hell is that the problem of the United States? It's not. I'm being rhetorical. It's not at all. It's not at all anybody else's responsibility. It's just like if you, if you don't fix the foundation in your house, how is, how is your neighbor responsible for that? There's nothing that the United States has led the way on this in terms of uh, more responsible output, better stewardship of its environment, et cetera, et cetera. Heavens. Now, coming up, we're going to be talking with Congressman Andy Biggs on new GOP leadership new in the new Congress. And Paul Ryan's been out there giving a lot of interviews. I've noticed this. A lot of interviews. 
I just don't think this is the time to do it. I think also any any appetite that people had for a postmortem on GOP uh, makeup is past. I do think it has. Uh, but uh, we're going we're gonna to talk with him about some of that. We're also going to get into some wokery as well. Broadband, there, there's going to be nutrition labels for bro- what? For broadband internet. Nutrition labels. So don't eat the internet. And now, all of the news you would probably miss. It's time for Dana's Quick 5, brought to you by Caltech. So uh, I'm just going to say, I don't think this would be a smart idea. So Cruz says that he's, of course, running for Senate re-election, but he hasn't ruled out, and he would not rule out, a presidential run. I think that once was good enough. I think he just needs to stay in the Senate. I don't think, uh, he's not, it's not that he's not a nice guy. I just don't think that that's the smart move for him and I don't think it'll be successful just me just just saying it like it is there's no you know uh, meanness or maliciousness there I just don't think it would I don't think it would work again uh well it didn't work the first time I don't think it would I don't think it's gonna work the second time uh this is uh, from twitchy Reuters was saying that adolescents assigned female at birth account for a majority of minors receiving I can we stop using words like top surgery you're having it's breast removal top surgery it's breast removal apparently they Reuters decided to re-report what Abigail Schreier has been talking about for a couple of years now including the uh, unnecessary hysterectomies and the uh, what they said are the what's the breast removal for adolescents who were born women and they wanted to become men and they are talking about uh, hormones hormone abuse and all of this stuff but they are still using the words like assigned sex, etc. Now, I'm just wondering if all the people who were championing to cancel Abigail Schreier are going to now change their minds since Reuters is piggybacking off of her work. This uh, coming in from, I believe this is Canada. Canada spent billions and do- billions of dollars trying to make a dent in homelessness. And when they were asked as to whether or not it actually helped, they didn't know. They actually didn't know they spent a billion dollars. They had all tons of federal funding, a building additional building additional housing, all kinds of stuff. But apparently, the Auditor General in Canada, in a late, the latest report, says, "quote The federal government doesn't know whether the efforts have actually improved housing outcomes or not for vulnerable Canadians. No, no accountability, no nothing. This is a horrible way to go. This is like a really bad um, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory kind of." You know, generic. It's just bad. Indiana man falls after falling into a manure lagoon on a dairy farm. Jasper County. This is horrible. Is uh, the the 30 year old died of he died as a result of blood loss, according to the coroner. It was ruled to be an accident, but apparently, according to the sheriff, he fell into a lagoon of manure after a piece of equipment rolled into the lagoon and became partially submerged. They were the responders were planning to pump the manure runoff out of the pond in order to find him. That would have taken two days. So they sailed through the pond on a boat with a treble hook, and that's how they got him out of the. Oh man, that's just that is horrific. Oh, that's awful. Our prayers are with them. And this uh, a, a boat capsized a five uh, uh, carrying five migrants, uh, five dead, five missing after a boat uh, from. Cuba capsizes off the Florida coast. 19 people were believed to be aboard that vessel. Congressman Andy Biggs, next.
Your one-stop shop for the information you need to fight back. If you're going to have to learn stuff, you might as well enjoy it. The Dana Show. Yes, I will. I'll keep that promise. And one thing I said from the very beginning, Eric Swalwell cannot get a security clearance in the public sector. Why would we ever give him a security clearance in the secrets to America? So I will not allow him to be on Intel. You have Adam Schiff, who had lied to the American public time and again. We will not allow him to be on the Intel Committee either. And you look Congresswoman Omar, her anti-Semitic comments that have gone forward. We're not going to allow her to be on foreign affairs. But we're also going to stand up to what's happening, not just in the halls in Congress, but what's happening into our higher education institutions. The anti-Semitism that's going on on these campuses and others. We will investigate that as well and stop this to make sure that America does have the freedom that we said we would keep. Mm. And that's uh, Kevin McCarthy, Congressman Kevin McCarthy. The problem with this, though, is if you're focusing too much on investigations and power positioning with different committees, I just feel like voters are going to get, they're going to be like, okay, that just feels like you're arranging chairs on the Titanic. Like what, like where's the other, and I know that I am not the only one who's raising these kinds of questions. So there's a lot to talk about because you don't want to squander, even though it's a slight majority, you don't want to squander it. Joining us right now to discuss this is a man who who was who was putting up a challenge to Kevin McCarthy. He is a stalwart conservative. We're pleased to have him on the show. Representative Andy Biggs out of Arizona, Arizona's fifth congressional district. Good to see you, sir. Happy Thanksgiving to you. And happy Thanksgiving to you, Dana. Thanks for having me. I wanted to kind of get your thoughts on, and then we're going to get into Arizona and the certification and this stuff coming up because that's oh my. But I I really wanted to get your thoughts on just what. What we're kind of seeing, these plans, these committee appointments, investigations, are you concerned that Republicans in the House may may become so focused on, uh, which I'm not saying that they're not important, investigating, you know, impropriety with Hunter Biden or anything else, but I think people are broke, they're hurting, they're mad because they're having to downsize their Thanksgiving dinners and they want to see some immediate solutions. And I wanted to get your thoughts on this. Well, uh, Dana, a couple thoughts. First of all, these investigations have to go forward. I would say that that's necessary. And and that's going to consume the time mostly of two committees, Judiciary and Oversight. But the other main issues, which are the reason we were elected, uh, why we have a slight majority, it's only a slight majority, but they have to deal with how are you going to to lower gas prices at the pump? How are you going to lower uh, winter heating fuel costs? How are you going to attack the fundamental problem with inflation, which is that the federal government just spends too much money. How are you going to close the border? Now, all those have to be addressed, but the way you address them is going to take something different than the status quo in in, in Congress today. And, and the way to address those, quite frankly, is to use the leverage and tool that we have, particularly with how we fund government. And that's that's part of the issue, Dana, and you're exactly right. And I just add one more, one more quick point to that. A lot of people don't realize this is a 10 month period. That's all we really have because you know it and I know it that in an uh, election cycle for 2024, it's a presidential cycle. For whatever reason, Congress starts pulling the plug about a year early and uh, that they shouldn't, but they do. Yeah, I know we're talking with Congressman Andy Biggs out of uh, Arizona. I know that there was a lot of... Uh consternation a lot of discussion as to uh whether or not kevin mccarthy is going to get support i know that from what i understand you, you still have to do the big floor vote and there's question as to whether or not you know he's got the support there what, what is your thought on the direction of leadership in the house 
Well, I don't think Kevin does have the the, the necessary votes. You need, nobody has 218 today. Yeah. And so that means that that anybody can emerge. I'm still in there, I suppose. Um, nobody's. You suppose uh, you're still in there. Well, I am. I, I, I am, Dana. I'm still in there. And it's going to take some work. Uh, and, and if it's not me, it's not Kevin. It, it, somebody else will emerge. But the point is, if you're not willing to change the infrastructure of the house uh, so that you do use the tools, you do use leverage, you actually allow members to offer amendments, then you're going to get more of the same. And that's the problem uh, so far uh, that I think a lot of us are looking at Mr. McCarthy and are saying, well, you know, he's not unwilling to make a change to the structure. And if you don't change the structure, you're just going to get more of the same. And that's going to lead to frustration and mistrust further of not just the Republicans, but the institution as a whole. Is that what he was talking about in that soundbite that we played coming in? Or or does there need to be a lot more than than just switching out some of those people on some of those committees, whether it's Swalwell or Omar? Yeah, that's that's performance art. I get it. And, and he's right. Those people need to be removed. But how about um, why, why aren't we talking about how you use the budget as leverage to get rid of the vaccine mandates in the military, use it to control the, the border, use it to bring down oil and gas prices by expanding oil and gas leases and reducing the bureaucracy. That's what that's what you need to, to do. The second thing is, if you're going to continue to have everything go through a, a, a rules committee that he appoints and you, and everything's going to be ad, adapted through four people, negotiated through four people, two in the House, two in the Senate, and then run through that uh, that rules committee that he controls, nothing's going to change. Nothing is going to change. So you can make cosmetics and say, well, yeah, we're going to go after Swalwell um, and Schiff and Omar, but it won't change to allow us to address the issues that American public sent us to uh, uh, address. And right now, that's the issue. Mm. A lot of American people, when they watch this, a lot of voters, they don't, they're focused on what's on, what bills are coming in paying for the roof over their heads you know this they're focused on how much they're paying at the pump for their commute to work and a lot of people wonder well how does something like who's going to be speaker who's going to be with how does this affect me what would you do differently that would be an something measurable by the average everyday person that's so far that's not in the weeds of 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 party you know posturing for you know who's going to be making this decision on what but what would you do? What would you bring to the table that's different from Kevin McCarthy that people could see and be like, ah, there's the change right there. That's what that's what we're seeing. Well, part of what's driving inflation is the way we don't budget. And Dana, we'd go back to budgeting the normal fashion, which we haven't done in, what, 20 years? Why? Why is that not? Why do we not do that? Because it's so easy to just say, well, we're going to uh, we're going to just do these continuing resolutions. And the problem with it, of course, is. There's no accountability. If you go back to a, a real budgeting process, Dana, that will impact federal spending. What will that do? Impact inflation levels. Uh, and that's that's a concrete thing. The other thing I would do is I would say we're going to use the, the, the must pass bill. So the NDA, North, uh, National Defense Authorization Act, we're going to say, look, we're going to get rid of the woke military policies. And we're going to say, if you got um, discharged because you refused to get the vaccine, we're not going to pass that NDAA until you're brought back in because we're we're running short on military personnel and we're going to do the, and we're going to bring these people who we've trained back into the military give them their pay grade back and their back pay 
And guess what? That will impact Americans directly. How about how about using your your budgetary leverage to say we're going to open up the Keystone XL pipeline immediately, start rebuilding that, and we're going to uh, punish these bureaucracies that are preventing the the development and extraction of oil and gas. Mm. We could do all of that, but it takes courage, and it, and that's why who the speaker is is so incredibly important to the policies of everyday Americans. There you go. Talking with Congressman Andy Biggs out of beautiful state of Arizona. Beautiful state, love Arizona, but my gosh, Congressman, what is going on with the vote counting there? What is happening? Tell, tell, I mean, the, the certification, from what I was understanding, looking at some of the headlines, Maricopa was hesitant to apparently go forward with, with certifying votes, certifying the, the final results. Why? I mean, we had this problem in 2016 or 2020. They've had a couple of years. You know, to fix any problems, make sure machines are running. I mean, I understand it falls under the purview of the Secretary of State, I guess. You know, well, she did, clearly didn't do her job. What's happening? Yeah, well, so so the county is, is not certified yet. I, you know, I could get into a lot of details, but I'll just give you a 30,000 foot. The, the Attorney General's Election Integrity Unit has written for an account of accounting from the Maricopa County Board of Supervisors and elections officials saying, hey, look, We've got all these reports of people who were, uh, their votes were suppressed. You know, there was, mal- you know, malfeasance, et cetera. We want these answers before you certify. So the fact that the AG's office is getting involved indicates that there's some pretty serious uh, issues there that went on. Not to mention, there are literally thousands of affidavits of people whose ballot was not um, counted or they they were told one thing that was illegal. And part of what's going on here is it looks like um, the, the elections officials violated state statute with regard to what you could tell people and how you conduct the election. So all of this is a mess once again in, in one of the nation's biggest counties with 5 million people, Dana. And so uh, it's just, it's phenomenal to me um, and it's and it's important because we have several elections that are still very close. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were still counting uh, uh, votes on Saturday. Still counting votes on Saturday. That's that. And uh, that's just this is insane to me. I mean, you know, not to, you know, rub it in or anything. I mean, Florida had a hurricane or well, tropical storm, I guess, by the time it made landfall coming in. They were able to get everything counted, put to bed. But at the same time, they did learn a very rough lesson, though, way back in the early aughts after the hanging chat incident. So they had a they had a lot of encouragement to make sure that they got it right. Congressman, so you're still in the running talking to Congressman Andy Biggs, still in the running. For House Speaker, that still could happen. Got to get to that magical 218 number. So you're in it to win it, correct? That's right. That's okay. right. All right. Just checking. Just doing a check for the for the people listening across the country and in your state of Arizona. Congressman Andy Biggs, thank you so much for your time today. Appreciate you. Thank you, Dana. Of course. Take care. Your one-stop shop for the information you need to fight back. If you're going to have to learn stuff, you might as well enjoy it. The Dana Show. Are you a limited, you're a limited government guy. I know this, you, you, and, and you really are. Are you comfortable with the idea of essentially government-mandated pregnancy? Essentially? So this Somebody is Chuck Todd asking Mike Pence. This is one of the dumbest questions that I've ever heard. Welcome back to the program. Dana Lash with you. Government-mandated pregnancy? Well, is it government-mandated screwing, Chuck? Is it that? 
I mean, I'm just, is someone making someone go do, I mean, what kind of, what kind of question is that essentially? And you know, notice how he has to put the crutch there. Essentially. What do you mean essentially? Is there essentially government mandated screwing? So you're telling me that it's someone's being forced if they can't make a decision before 40 weeks, then after that it's being, you're being, or 20 weeks, then you're forced. They can't make a decision before 20 weeks and they're forced. Is that what it is? Is that what you're telling me? Or 15 weeks and some? That This is... It's not like anyone forced you. No one forces anyone to in, into the action. It's, it's, and in fact, again, I'll say this every time, Planned Parenthood's own statistics, it's less than 1%. Fine, have that conversation about that. That's, I'm talking about all of the other ones. All of the other ones. <sighs> That's an actual serious question from a serious reporter, though. And one of the reasons why I think a lot of people kind of dislike Pence's attitude or they don't think he has that fighting spirit is because anyone else would have rejected that premise immediately before he could finish that sentence. I would be, I, I mean, you'd, Chuck, that's a ridiculous phrase. Can we talk, what, what do you mean mandated? Like, this isn't the matrix. What are you talking about? It's time for Florida Man. It's his life mission to make bad decisions. <laughs> it's time for Florida Man. And what is being called the wrong way to vacay, according to Times Now, a Florida man broke into a house, took a bath, had a little nap, made himself some coffee. He got in a lot of trouble. Zachary Murdoch, 29 years old, had smashed the glass on the front door of an occupied house. He then took himself a bath, had a little nap, made himself a, quote, a nice cup of coffee. Apparently, that's what he told police. So it was a vacation rental that he did this in. It was on uh, last week. And the police in a Facebook post titled The Incorrect Way to Vacay said that he's not the type of criminal to try to cover his tracks. He also left his bus ticket stub in the kitchen trash can. He fled the scene when police swept the house and for his traces and found plenty. They responded to a different home in the area for another burglary. The victim said that a man describing this, describing Murdoch, uh, said that uh, was looking for a guy named Tony and left. And the suspect was later identified as Zachary Murdoch. The police go, we still don't know who this Tony guy is. So they said that uh, he, they located him shortly after he fled. He was arrested on charges of burglary and damage to property. That is a very almost passive aggressive way to kind of also i mean was he did he break in or was he trying to squat you know what i mean was he trying to be a squatter i don't know a courteous florida man (laughs) who was apparently going wrong the wrong way on the highway at least he was being courteous about it uh 110 miles per hour 995 yells i'm sorry to the deputy as he runs away Literally, he said that he and it's on video. He was going clock 110 miles per hour, going the wrong way on 995. As he jumps out of his vehicle, finally, when he fi- was finally pulled over, he hops out of the vehicle and ran away, yelling, "I'm sorry!" to the deputy. He took off running. Zachary Siebert, second Zachary. What's going on with you, Zach's today? Uh, was in such a hurry that he forgot his driver's license was suspended, said police. So when Deputy Charles Hill tried to pull him over for speeding, instead of stopping the car like a normal adult human, he decided to play Frogger across I-95. And uh, he did say sorry, though. They said he was a courteous criminal. After a short time of hiding out in the buffer preserve, they said that uh, Siebert found a vehicle, said he would pay the driver to take him back to the area of the interstate. And, yeah, I don't know, he was. they found him hiding in the back seat. So he's charged with 
driving with a suspended license, resisting without violence. His bond is set at $1,500. So at least, you know, he didn't try to resist violently. He was, he continued, I guess, the politeness. I mean, the most polite thing to do would have been to not run away or to not commit the crime in the first place. You know, if you were, you know, that, that would have probably been the most courteous thing to do. It's just funny that he was yelling. I'm not reading this headline. I'm not reading this. It's from WFLA. Because I don't think it's possible, and I think it's disgusting. Basically, a Pinellas County man tried to have a romantical time with a building. No. I am not making this up. No. I'm not making it up. It's literally on WFLA. I'm not making it up. I'm not re- you. I can't. We're, guys, it's too early in the week for me to read this to you. This is like a Friday kind of thing, right? Stick with us. Third hour on the way. Welcome back to the program. Dana Lash here with you. Uh, third hour, top of our third hour. I'm going to play this audio for you. This is, uh, I thought this was fascinating. They're talking about Twitter and MSNBC. And it is the really bagging on, this is, they're, they're talking about Twitter and the policies from Elon Musk, etc. And I was just sh- so shocked by this. Listen to this. Yesterday as well. Um, what does it all add up to? You know, uh- First of all, I think something we often forget as Americans is that billionaires exist as a class of people who have that much money at our collective pleasure. What? I'm sorry, what? At our collective... What? As a class of people who have that much money at our collective pleasure. What? This is on MSNBC. And he went on to further say their existence as billionaires is antithetical to our flourishing as a democracy. Which doesn't make any sense at all. And this was about a conversation over Twitter policy, who is being allowed back on, you know, what those policies are, how that's going to be administrated in the future, etc. But all I heard is this guy bagging on successful immigrants. It's a policy choice to allow people like these to exist. They exist as our, and he says this, he's an, I don't know who this guy is, but he, what, what movie was that? His hair reminds me of something. Uh, He looks like the bad guy in the Incredibles. He's got the same hair as the bad guy in the Incredibles. You guys remember the, uh, the, the kid that uh, ended up, what was his name? syndrome he's got syndromes hair he legit straight up has hair like syndrome from the incredibles i'm going to tweet that so it was really hard for me to listen to that first i had to listen to that soundbite a couple of times because i could not get over the fact that he literally looks like an incredibles character uh that being said it is the idea that you it's a policy choice for billionaires to exist it's it, that the fact that you have a billionaire, he says, is antithetical to our flourishing as a democracy. That's as a democracy. That sentence structure doesn't even make sense. He's basically trying to argue that billionaires shouldn't exist, but he's trying to structure, say it in a way where it doesn't come off that way. Having a billionaire is not antithetical to our flourishing as a democracy. In fact, we don't have a democracy. That is the process in the republic. Can we just do a quick let, let word lesson? Here because I'm so tired of this stuff. I'm so tired of it. The left always masquerades as our intellectual superiors, yet you don't have the the verbiage to support it. We are our government is 
are the construct of our government is called a republic. It is republicanism. It is we are in a republic. We are structured not as a not as a democracy, where it's mob rule. It is a republic. The processes, some of the processes that we use to help choose officials and run some of our government are democratic processes. We are not in a democracy because we just because we use some of those processes. It's a republic that has a couple of the of those we use that process. That's it. So can we stop with this thing? It's a republic. The fact that you have billionaires that are that are able to exist and are able to come from nothing because most of the new money is is most of the billionaires are new money. It's all tech. It's like people like Jeff Bezos who started in his parents' garage. This guy, what the hell does this guy do? He's stuffed in a suit that's too tight on his shoulders. He has hair like syndrome from the Incredibles, and he has the audacity to sit there and tell people that well, being rich is antithetical to our flourishing. As I'm going to use an incorrect word to describe the construct of the government in which I freely speak and enjoy privileges in, but don't want to exist for people I don't like because I'm jealous of their wealth. That's what he's saying here. Jeez, I want to bully this guy so bad. Like if we were in high school, godly. So, and they're all mad over Twitter. They're all mad because he allowed Trump to come back on Twitter. I mean, I don't know. I, I just, it's a, a something amazing. Now, a couple of other things here. Uh, latest with because we got that December 6th runoff race in Georgia. Brian Kemp and Herschel Walker have been on the campaign trail. They started this weekend in Smyrna, Georgia, their first appearance. They're trying to promote party unity. And it is incredibly important that Kemp help do that. Kemp needs to be seen there with Walker. Kemp so strongly outperformed Walker in the election. Think of this. You had over 200,000 voters in Georgia's election. Now, this is incredibly important. Over 200,000 voters that voted for Kemp and not for Walker. Now, I don't believe that that's at all cheating. I think it's split ticket, what I've been saying for weeks now. People cannot sit here and attribute a split ticket approach to some kind of shenanigans because you'll continue to lose elections if you do. There, was, there were reasons why. Walker didn't hit the 50% mark to avoid a runoff. It was, the vo- it was the split ticket voting that contributed to the runoff election. People who wanted... If, look, if somebody was going to cheat, they're going to vote for Walker too. They're not going to... That, and that's the institution at which was most at play. That was the most divided, the most hotly contested. If they were going to cheat, hell, they're going to be voting for Walker or, and, and over anything else, make sure that Democrats would, or they would vote against him, make sure that, uh, vote for Warnock. They'd make sure that the Democrats got the Senate. We can't sit here and shrug off everything as being shenanigans. We have to address the elephant in the room, and that's split ticket voters. People just, they did, they were not sold on Walker, so they voted for Kemp. So they, it, and it's not that they voted for Warnock either. A lot of them, it would be either for a third party person or they didn't vote because Warnock didn't hit 50%. So if they were voting for, you know, if they were actually going to vote for the Democrat, they would have, that would have showed up. This isn't the first time we saw this. We saw a lot of split ticket voting in 2020. I mean, in Texas, there were more people that were going for John Cornyn over Donald Trump. And that was amazing because Cornyn is not well received. So there's, you got to address the split ticket issue. You have to. Otherwise, we're going to keep losing elections. We can sit here and talk about ballot harvesting all day. That's fine. And you can have an operation to counter what the left does. But if you don't address why voters are voting split ticket, 
then I just have to assume that you don't want to win an election. That's just the, and it matters. It matters. So I'm glad that Kemp is there. Kemp had has a had a fantastic ground game. He had a fantastic ground game. And apparently he and McConnell are trying to rescue, get Walker going. People can dislike McConnell. I don't like him on everything. And I hate having to preface every damn thing I say with the indulgence of saying something like this. I've been doing this for too long to have to apologize for an observation. McConnell's pack is working with Kemp, apparently, and they're trying to get Walker ahead so that he can edge out Warnock in this runoff, which he should do because it's the Senate. So this here's one of the reasons why Smyrna was important and why that was their first stop. That's in Cobb County. Cobb County is a is in a district or is in a county that uh, Walker did not do too well in. It's part of the Metro Atlanta area. Got a lot. I mean, so you're going to imagine that if it's a heavy, you know, if it's in if it's in the metropolitan area, you're going to see a lot more Democrat votes. And that was, you know, that's not a shocker thing. But Kemp actually performed pretty well in Cobb County. And especially compared to Walker. Uh, It was only the difference between uh, Kemp and Stacey Abrams was maybe five points. And Kemp also got in that county 20,000 more votes more votes than Walker in that county. So they had to be able to show up in that. So that's good. And I hope they continue to do that. Because that's they, they, they got to win that Senate race. But the split ticket thing is a major issue. We got to figure it out. Split ticket voters are the reason why you have a runoff in Georgia. I'm not blaming people. I'm explaining to you that is why there is a runoff. Now, the blame is going to get passed out if people don't recognize what caused that to go to a runoff and to fix it in the future so that you have reliable, if you want, you know, one uh, one party ticket voters, if that's what you want, then you got to make sure that you're, you're that you're catering to that. So they there were people who wanted Kemp for governor and and some wanted Warnock. Fewer wanted Warnock than they would then they either left it blank or went with somebody else because Warnock, like I said, he didn't make it to 50. So he didn't he didn't avoid a runoff either. So you can't can't really well reliably say that. So this is going to be incredibly important because for the next two years, you know, if you if you have Democrat control beyond just a 50 50, they're going to be running. A, a, well, it's I would rather maintain status quo than give them plus one. Because you need to be able to push back a little bit more and and compensate for any kind of Harris tiebreaker vote. Now, a few other things to get into here. Where's this at? This, uh, I was actually kind of shocked uh, the way that some of the people have been responding to, well, not shocked. I'm actually, what am I talking about? We were discussing the Colorado LGBTQ nightclub shooting there in Colorado Springs. And I'm just, and, and everyone's trying to apportion blame. So you have uh, Billy Bragg, his middle name is D-Bag. And he decides, he's a British musician, he decides to blame J.K. Rowling. Okay, okay, are there, Kane? Yeah. It's all the lady who wrote Harry Potter. It's all her fault. Is it? it is, don't you know? It is, it's all her fault. Cue up then, let's blame her. 
they said that it's because she insisted that women exist. So they're trying to blame J.K. Rowling for this. Everybody that they can. If you oppose drag brunches for kids, then apparently you have blood on your hands, which is a phrase that's so stupid. But nobody, again, is asking the big question here. How is this guy out? How was he out? Why was he out? How did this happen? I mean, this, I, I, they've even tried to go after, what did they say? The grandfather of the Colorado murderer was a California lawmaker who's a Republican or so. Oh, man, they're like going everywhere. Nancy Pelosi jumped on it. Oh, man. Everybody's getting blamed. Everybody's getting blamed. Blame everybody, but the actual person who did it. Blame everyone, but don't make sure you do not at all whatsoever ask why this individual was out in the first place. Here's the thing. So he had a number of, he was charged with a number of felonies, but whether or not they were filed is another question. And then it was sealed. Even he could have been rendered a prohibited, I mean, he's a prohibited possessor just with the filing of, or just being charged with felonies. Why they have the red flag laws, they have everything else. But why did it that didn't work for them? They didn't they apparently they didn't didn't work. And you have Biden immediately calling for an assault weapon ban right after. Everybody's saying that you can't talk, you can't criticize drag brunches and uh, they need to you need to ban. Then nobody even knows the motive. Nobody knows. Nobody knows. A year ago, he threatened his mom with a homemade bomb. They had to evacuate a whole bunch of homes. All their neighbors, they had to evacuate. The bomb squad came in. Crisis negotiators came in. Oh, yeah, this was a big thing. And he was charged with felony kidnapping, menacing charges, etc. There is zero evidence at all whatsoever that prosecutors ever, according to NBC Washington, that prosecutors move forward with those with filing of those felony charges there's no evidence that police or relatives try to trigger colorado's red flag law and because he apparently had weapons and other ammunition at the time a whole bunch of stuff and apparently the authorities even though they had that law this is you know barely a year ago they could have seized his stuff and then had him evaluated and taken him to trial later because that's what the red flag why didn't they do it They could have. So you have the people who are demanding for laws that would have stripped him of his firearms before he went out and murdered people. They are demanding that those laws be in place. But Colorado has those laws and they weren't used. So why is this? Why? I mean, again, but no, it's J.K. Rowling's fault. These people are not serious about solving anything. And I, I don't believe that you care for life when that's your stupid, stupid response. So reductive. We have more to come. And now, all of the news you would probably miss. It's time for Dana's Quick Five, brought to you by Caltech. So I made fun of Brett Michaels when he did it. And I'm going to have to make fun of Snoop Dogg for having a pet line now. It's literally, I mean, I don't know, actually don't know why he didn't do it earlier. It's called Snoop Doggy Dogs. And they have all kinds of, I hear people, some of you out there rushing to buy this. What am I hearing? Like you have like the, the dog toys, kerchiefs, dog bowls, and apparently it's all designed. But he goes, if my dogs ain't fresh, I ain't fresh. <laughs> okay, part of me likes it, and I like, okay, he's got a picture of a Frenchie 
in a jersey. So I do kind of like that one because it has a fake chain on the jersey. I actually do kind of like that. Okay, maybe. Brent Michaels, though, he had the pout and the squint in every photo and every one of his stuff. Uh, all right, so uh, a, oh, a couple of other things. There was a man who robbed a bank using the back of his birth certificate as a note to the teller while wearing an ankle monitor from another case. All to prove a point. And he looks nuts and is uh, is in Missouri. He's totally in jail, so he's not on the run or anything. But, man, what a wild story. We have more to come. Stick with us. Want a behind-the-scenes look at The Dana Show? Subscribe to Dana's Chapter and Verse newsletter for a deeper dive in all things Dana at DanaLash.com. Well, I start from the belief that you can judge the status of democracies Uh, judge the status of societies based on the status of women. And certainly based on the status of women and girls. Three statuses. I, I, that's, it definitely is like a rhetorical device that she uses when speaking. Like, I'll come back to this. I'll come back to it again. I'll touch it again. It just sounds so weird, though. That's the Vice President Kamala Harris. The status of women and girls and the status of this. Some statuses. You know, things things and stuff, such as. Welcome back to the program. Dana Lash with you. Bottom of our third hour here. But wait, there was more. She said that she was, uh, she, do I want to play one or do I want to move? I mean. Is one enough or should I, I go back and forth. Go ahead, go ahead. She wasn't done though. She had some more fun stuff. This is my third trip to the Indo-Pacific region as vice president and really um, signifies the significance of the relationship between the United States and our allies and partners in this region. Uh, The discussions that we had included, um, in large part, a discussion about the significance of the climate crisis and what we can do as the United States to be a leader in that regard. Signifies the significance. You know, Kane, because nothing signifies significance like significant signifying That's, uh, sounds true. you know because it is sounds true. such as I can't help it it's not my I just it's just where has she been though she just kind of goes and I think does some of the soft stuff really that's uh I mean I think that's she just she just hit some of the soft stuff. You really don't see her doing a whole lot. I saw this piece. I'm going to bring this up. Uh, where did I drop this? This is a New York Times piece as seen by my friend Ace. <laughs> it said, the New York Times says Joe Biden might be a super ager and immune to the effects of aging. They're so one faction. What? You okay? How, what? What? You're, okay, so hold up. Let me. Kane just stopped very. Kane, is, you have to understand, you don't see him on camera. He's incredibly dramatic, almost in a slapstick way with physical movement. So if something startles him, his he just does it. I mean, it's like he does it to where you could see him from a mile away on the stage. He's very, and that's just who he is. He's very dramatic. And so when he moves, I'm like, what? It's because it's when he's when he has that visceral reaction. And so I always got to ask him. Because it's funny, and I want to know what... So hold up. So you have the faction that is running the Hunter Biden stuff to squeeze him out, right? Right. But then you have this group that really wants to defend him. 
They want him to stay in because they like that power adjacency. So they have this piece in the New York Times. The uh, experts think that he's a super ager and handles maybe immune to the effects of aging. So the president can't ask why I didn't mention that he turned 80 because he's 80. And I mean, he's I, I don't I don't care about Joe Biden in that way. Policy is fine. But they say that actually he's fit and he's, he's perfectly mentally sharp, the experts at the New York Times said. They also agreed, according to Ace, that he's got a lot going for him. Listen to this. They said that the New York Times spoke to 10 experts in aging to paint a picture of what the next six years might look like for a person of the president's age. These experts have not examined or treated Mr. Biden, though they have looked at publicly available information, including a medical report issued by the White House last year, a day before his 79th birthday. Mr. Biden, these experts agreed, is that he's highly educated and has plenty of social interaction and a stimulating job, and he's married and he has a family network. They're protective against dementia and conducive to healthy aging. He doesn't drink or smoke alcohol, doesn't Smoke or drink alcohol. I don't know. It's Hunter. He could. Uh, And he has top-notch medical care. And (laughs) this is Ace adds. So in other words, he has a big pile of advantages that should reduce his risk factor for dementia. But the one big red flag is that he clearly has advanced dementia. (laughs) (laughs) Oddly, the experts missed that entirely. So they said he's a super ager. And, I, and then they go, well, Trump looks like he fits the profile of a super ager. He says to get some bipartisan buy-in to the proposition. They were in a different note. So Joseph Wolfson said last year, he caught the New York Times saying, well, at 79, Biden is testing the boundaries of age and the presidency. So a year ago, it was, oh, he may be too old. Now it's, he's a super ager. Oh, man, I don't know. It... it <laughs> Wouldn't you love to get as much grace as the media gives Joe Biden? I mean, it really does. And he still complains about the media. Yeah, he still complains about it, though. So, I I don't know. They, clearly, I think he's he's on the struggle bus. I think if if push came to shove and it was a very stressful situation in which he needed to be completely on and make tough decisions quickly, I don't know that he actually could do that. I say this person, I personally don't know that he could do it. Um, he he struggles when asked hard when asked hard questions that aren't approved by his his staff. So I don't I don't know. Uh, I saw this over at CNN. CNN hates him. I think it's interesting where the lines are drawn. The New York Times can't make up its mind. I think that they're leaning towards keep, and then CNN's like, oh, as Biden ramps up for a Trump rematch, Democrats worry he'd lose to another Republican. That's how many of these stories from CNN. I'm not saying that they're on our side or that they're allies or anything. I don't care if me, I don't want a media entity to be on my side. I just want them to be consistent and accurate. But this, the way that they're presenting this, you remember the story I shared with you when they blasted his, his claims about the economy? Well, in the CNN piece, they also say he's too old. So. Yeah, it is. That's something else. Now, speaking of uh, media, they are going all out 
in the wake of they're using this as a way to try to dodge and defend against the recent criticism on the brunch all ages the brunch drag shows and because it you have to pay the indulgence of baby splaining everything today people don't have a problem with with adult clubs or clubs where it's 21 and up and it's not like an all ages thing where you're gyrating your a double snakes and you know out there I mean, you know, for if your your ethics and morality may be different. But the issue is when you go to, you know, like a Sunday afternoon, a family restaurant and you have these like dra- these these drag brunches and you have people going out and doing just that or how I shared with you in that town in Texas where they had a parade float where two guys, one of them was in a thong and he was gyrating on a float legit in front of a children's elementary Catholic school float where the kids were on the float. Just saying. (laughs) What's that man doing? There's a time and place. What I I don't know what the the thought process is that just because you can do it, it does it doesn't mean you should. And if people think it's in bad taste, tolerance and acceptance aren't the same thing, and bad taste runs equally for everybody. So they're going after Lauren Bobert. Because of no man, they went back in her tweet history to see everything she's ever said about drag, which I didn't. I mean, it just seems like it was a gay club. Nobody even knows this guy's mode. Nobody knows the motive. But the left is so desperate because they dealt with the CRT stuff in the schools then they dealt with the really sexually advanced, ridiculous books that were legitimately in schools. And parents were mad that they weren't asked before they were made available for their kids. And so they're trying to figure out a way to blunt that. And so they're, they're using this exploitatively to do so. So when Lauren Boebert had tweeted out, the news of Colorado Springs is awful, and she said she was praying for people, violence should stop, uh, they, they went after her. BuzzFeed has this ridiculous piece. I can't, I can't believe this is an actual piece. This is the headline. They say, here's how Representative Lauren Boebert smeared LGBTQ people in social media before offering prayers for the victims of the, of the gay club shooting. Because apparently you're not allowed to believe that bringing kids to watch gyrating people at a drag brunch is you're not allowed to believe that's inappropriate and also allowed to believe that it's wrong to go and shoot up a gay club, apparently, because of pol- politics. It's so stupid. And so they've been trying to drag her uh, for this. And they went out, they brought up her uh, when she criticized uh, the Health and Human Services Secretary who identifies as transgender. They're trying to say that words are violence. So if you disagree with any of this, then you are responsible and culpable for what happened. They're trying to use this as a way to shut you up. That's what it is. And that's all it is. They're trying to use this as a way to silence what has been legitimate criticism of some of this stuff. And I just find I find that incredibly, incredibly exploitative and it, it just it just wild, just wild. I don't, I and they're and they're going through everybody's. I mean, it's not just her; they're going through everybody's. So, and they went after Libs of TikTok. They went after J.K. Rowling. They're trying to. This is all. All this is is it's a ploy. It's just a. It's a. It's a tactic to keep you from calling out impropriety. That's all it is. So disregard it. Yeah, going after J.K. Rowling, blaming J.K. Rowling. 
a British author who just said women exist. You got to be kidding me. So in uh, World Cup, U.S. teams playing today, the, apparently the armband thing was uh, squashed. Seven European teams competing at the World Cup had to drop their plans to wear the rainbow-printed armbands because apparently the, they were going to have get carded, I guess. Right? They were going to have sanctions if the players went through sporting the armbands in Qatar where homosexuality is illegal. Yet uh, England, Germany, Denmark, Switzerland, Wales, and Belgium, and the Netherlands national team said that they had abandoned their, their plan to wear the One Love armbands over concerns about repercussions. So the rules dictate that they can only wear what's like part of their kit, like their official uniform, and that anybody who doesn't gets a yellow card. Wow. So... They said, well, we can't, you know, have sanctions. So one love and all, but no, not on the, not on the pitch. <laughs> uh, what did you expect, though, when you were going over to a country where I, what do they had the one of the leader? I don't even one of the leaders in Qatar was like, we're not going to change our country for however many days for just, you know, the World Cup. I mean, they really I, I mean, people in the United States act like handmaiden's tale. Handmaid's Tale, but man, over in Qatar, yeah, yeah. What did you What did you think was going to happen, though? I mean, are you surprised that they de- that they're having it there? That they chose to have it there in the first place? Wasn't it decided like many years? ago? It was, um, and it wasn't any better in many years ago. And they didn't they? I guess the word is employ, but they did. They employed slaves in order to build those stadiums. Yeah, employed. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if that's the right word. They used people to forcibly build but yeah. yeah and now you can't you know obviously that is a very oppressive part of the world what did they expect you're absolutely right what do you expect i i wonder if a lot of, i mean i'm curious as to how many people are attending i would just think a lot of people are unnerved because it just seems the rules are strict by themselves but it also seems kind of arbitrary in how they're enforced and the severity of them you know what i mean like it seems there seems to not be you know, uh, but they, I will say the Iranian team, they did not uh, participate in the singing of their anthem. And the Iranian fans were booing as part of the protest against the Iranian regime. That's very interesting. We have uh, more on the way. We've got Florida, not Florida, we've got uh, today's stupidity actually coming up. And we are going to get you set up for the Thanksgiving weekend. And they brought back uh, Bob Chapik to replace, or they brought back Bob Iger to replace Bob Chapik. They switched out Bob's at Disney. What does it mean switching out the bobs? That's like a sounds like a cartoon idea. Anyway, we're going to get into all of that and more coming up. Stay with us. Listen to the Dana Show live on the Odyssey app. Weekdays, noon to 3 p.m. Eastern time. And you can sign up for the newsletter over at Chapter and over at Substack called Chapter and Verse. All kinds of good stuff over there. I was uh, looking at some of the stuff that was trending and apparently oh man there's all kinds of crazy stuff so apparently what now people are wanting to boycott coach the company over uh this there was a a, a, according to andy no a trans activist and model that seems like an abusive phrase who went viral for threatening to beat women at a new york city uh and they apparently it all stemmed from this and they mod that model works for coach 
And then the model said that they had the blessing of the fashion company's owner to threaten people at protests. So now everyone's asking Coach if that's true. So if you see that trending, that's why. I really doubt that. I would can't imagine that Coach would do that. I think it was just some like person who is really ridiculously uh, wound up and they just claimed it. But man, it just amazes me what trends and what doesn't. So they got to, so Bob Chapik is out. Bob, Bob Eager, Bob Iger, sorry, is back in. And he, I think, is it safe to say that Disney's descent into the toilet bowl is pretty much mapped by Chapik's ascent to power? Yeah. So, it, I mean, everything it, he took in, like, right when the pandemic started, that's when Chapik, uh, Bob Chapik took over. And they had all kinds of, uh, he just, he fell on his face with a whole bunch of stuff. Like, for instance, they had the big fight with uh, Scarlett Johansson. She had sued them. Remember that story? We had it way, way back then. Because they decided to allow people, to, they were, you could rent uh, new newly released movies like Black Widow on its streaming service. And so Scarlett Johansson had filed suit because she said that that deprives her of ticket sales. And it's basically like it was a contractual dispute. You can't release something on streaming when you have an agreement about how much you're going to make on something in theaters. So that was the first thing. So they were fighting over it. And Disney went after her in response. They apparently they settled it. And then, of course, there was the big thing in Florida back in March where they decided that they were going to oppose parents under Chapek's control. They were going to oppose parents. And then they went out with that falsely described as the don't say gay rule. So now he's out. Chapek's out because he just he just was tanking Disney and they're bringing in Bob Iger. But is it going to change all that much? I mean, a lot of the a lot of the foundation for this was there. Right when Chapik moved in. So I don't know. We'll, uh, I'll, we'll watch this. Today in Stupidity Kane. Ah, it's going to be Sunny Hostin from the... How many times has the View Harpies been on Today in Stupidity? Almost, re- well, regularly. Almost every They're time. They're your favorite. Um, this is what she said today. Religion, because I said this on this show once before. Jesus would be the Grand Marshal at the Pride Parade. Pride's a sin. I don't need about- exactly. I mean, anybody who's even had a rudimentary knowledge of what the religion's about uh that's just a stupid statement and kane is someone you have all of the books of the bible memorized in perfect chronological I do still order do, so which is pretty amazing uh you're the expert here on that you know you would know folks that does it for us today sign up for substack chapter and verse i'll be on jesse waters program tonight in the 6 p.m central hour and i'll be back behind the mic with you tomorrow have a good night